0: Excuse me, sir. Do you have a moment? I sure do. Yeah. How you doing, son? Great. I just have a couple quick questions for you. Okay. Shoot.
1: Do you like malls? Love them. Like I shop there every weekend with my wife. Do you like
0: teen shenanigans?
1: I mean, not not from our own teens, but generally speaking, yes. It's been great fun. All
0: right. Do you like Jackson Brown songs about deflowering young girls? Uh, which
1: song are you talking in particular? He's written a few hits. Uh, I'm not big on lyrics. Well, I'm just in general. Do you like those? <laughs> well, sure. Why not? I mean, a hit's a hit.
0: And the last thing.
1: Yeah, sure. Have
0: you seen a movie called Paradise? I, I have. It was quite good, actually. I was a big fan, so... Uh... Then are you a fan of One Miss Phoebe Cates? You know, to be honest,
1: I was hoping you were going to bring up Willie Ames. I think Willie Ames has uh,
0: a bright future ahead of a... Uh He's unavailable. Uh, he's auditioning for Charles in Charge at this uh, point. But um, what do you think about that, huh? You like those things? Because I have a script that's great for you.
1: Let's go ahead and sign Phoebe Cates. She'll uh, she'll happily take her top off, I've learned.
0: Great. All right. Well, have, have a good day, sir. My name's Cameron, so. <laughs> okay. Have a good day.
2: Uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cable.
0: Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the Internet's only podcast about movies.
2: That's right, Justin. We are just three buku Dolores who like to talk about movies that we saw from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another.
1: Like 1982's teen comedy Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
2: Indeed. And we are joined by actor, writer, show creator... And all-around improv guru, J.D. Walsh, everybody.
3: Welcome. Kevin, what did I ask you to introduce me as? The inventor of improv. And why did you not?
2: Because I thought guru was a synonym. I, I was sort of dancing around what you requested while still retaining the faith
0: of our audience. J.D., I think there should be a mark on you because you have taught all of us improv, and we failed at yes and.
3: I should have covered that.
1: As the inventor of improv, what would you think of that, that first scene?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Questions. It, so is it Cameron Crowe in an elevator doing an elevator pitch on the way up? Like, is does he work in the elevator? Does he know the executive and was ready for it? I, yes.
0: The backstory is he got there at 6 a.m. early okay. waiting for the executive. A lot of people he thought were the executive, he tried it out on them before. It didn't okay. work. Finally, he caught the right executive.
3: Oh, nice. Okay. Question. When he's in the parking lot afterwards, mm-hmm. is he full of sadness like he missed his shot, or do you feel like he's he's doing a sort of silent fist pump to himself, being like, "Nailed it, Cam."
0: Yeah, he you know he he walks away like Bender in uh, the Breakfast Club. Oh, nice.
2: Okay, great. So, J.D. Walsh, as the inventor of improv, how would you have cut in and saved that awful scene?
3: (laughs) Well, you know that, I mean, the way that improv used to be done is yes and. But then I brought Fuck That, Mm -hmm. which was just basically walk on stage in front of the scene that you're not either a part of or you don't understand or don't get. You just sort of wave it away and go, fuck that. Mm -hmm. And then you start your thing that you've sort of thought about on the drive over.
2: So, so you're saying you both invented improv and broke it? Yeah. You did to improv yeah. uh, what a boy does uh, when he starts losing in basketball. You bring the ball to the court and then you yeah. take it away.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, if you remember, Steve Jobs invented technology and then people started, like, doing it wrong and he went away for a while and then he came back and upped it. So that's what I did. I, I set it afloat. And then people started messing with it and doing it wrong and and uh, agreeing with each other and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, wait a second. This does not need to be about agreement. It can be about you.
2: Well, we owe you a debt of gratitude uh, for both your creation and destruction and also uh, for bringing this movie to our podcast. Tell us, J.D., why... Out of all the movies in the world, did you pick this particular movie uh, to bring to our audience?
3: I have a very specific memory of fifth grade where the summer before fifth grade, I watched this movie and I was way too young to watch this movie. And there is a scene in the movie where Phoebe Cates is teaching Jennifer Jason Leigh how to give a blowjob with care, <laughs> And Jennifer Jason Leigh says... When a man ejaculates, how much comes out? And Phoebe Cates says a quart. It's obviously a joke. Us watching it now, it's clearly a joke. But then cut to me in health class in fifth grade and learning about nocturnal emissions. (laughs) And I am having a full-blown panic attack because I believe that in the middle of the night, a hose is going to go off. And is going to sort of douse... (laughs) <laughs> the walls, I mean, I literally remember thinking about how am I going to hide this? This is going to be, like, I'm thinking about towels and I'm thinking about, like, yeah. maybe I'll I'll sleep outside and say that I'm camping. And just, yeah, definitely, definitely, dear panic. So when you guys said, like, what's a movie that, that maybe you were a little too young to watch? That was the movie that came to mind.
0: How old do, is this movie for, though? like uh, above, like, act, yeah, like 14 yeah. and above. Is it for like 16 and above, do you think? Like,
3: I mean, it's an R-rated movie, so theoretically it is an 18 and above movie. But yeah, I mean, there was a genre in the 80s which was just like, I want to get in to see that movie because there is nudity. And I'm thinking of like this and Porky's. Yeah. And Revenge of the Nerds and Bachelor Party of just like I literally uh, did I say mischief, the movie mischief,
1: (laughs) mischief, my chauffeur.
3: Yes. Secret admirer. And for Porky's, we had convinced my friend's mom to take us and drop us off at Porky's. And we thought, oh, she buys the tickets. And we got stopped at the door. Mm. Like the ticket taker Even though we had done the thing where the parent Buys the tickets and we had done all this Work about like I think we were Talking about it being like a Warner Brothers cartoon And uh, (laughs) And convinced the mom that it was Okay and then Right at the we were right there And it all went away
2: You were able to convince your mom That Porky's was about Porky Pig Is what you're saying
3: Not my mom Jeff Isle's mom but that is a true story. We had convinced her that it was a cartoon.
2: By the way, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Space Jam, but there is a prolonged period where all they do is just like riff on properties uh, mm-hmm. that they already own, and they just add uh, characters into it. Why didn't they do Porky's in Porky's? <laughs> that is like a direct one-to-one genius idea. Yeah. Yeah,
0: he even comes out of a hole. <laughs> they could have looked into the hole, and Porky yeah. Pig could have shot his face out. Yeah. J.D., how old were you when you watched this? Do you remember?
3: Yeah, I think I was nine or ten. I, uh, Kevin, you were in Southern California. Do you remember something called On TV? I do not. Okay, it's before HBO, and it was like on your TV, and it was like a little dial, and it was like the first sort of cable TV. And I remember this movie being on On TV. It, it was basically, I would go visit my dad in Long Beach for the summer, And it was the exact opposite of being with my mom. It was like, there were no rules at dad's house. Like, you know, it was all sugar cereals. It was watching Letterman till 1230 at night, sleeping in until, you know, one o'clock when Small Wonder would start. And I could watch whatever movies I wanted to watch.
1: I specifically remember watching this movie. I think I was a little older. I think I might've been like 10, 11 and being just amazed just amazed at the nudity. Yeah. And then so much so, it like spun me around so much that I never even knew what was happening. Like I couldn't have told you the plot. And then after a while, it was just like fast forwarding. Like I I remember
0: having like, oh, what minute Phoebe Cates comes out of the pool? Yeah. I feel like I've watched this movie a ton of times but in bits and pieces because the movie's just vignettes, basically. It's just right, like a yeah, collection yeah. of vignettes. So I've seen like all the scenes multiple times just not linearly <laughs> together. And I also feel like it took me years to realize that there's a scene with Jennifer Jason Lee getting naked because I never made it that far. <laughs> <laughs> that happens multiple times, Jess. Yeah, yeah, it happens in the beginning. I know, but it that's did. very short. But like that sex scene at the – like her later on sex scene. Oh, yeah, with, she's uh, really spread out there. Where she's the like – really, yeah, I – Never made it. I got as far as the Phoebe Cates and I was like, I'm done. I'm um,
3: turning this off now. I want to talk about the Phoebe Cates scene for a second. Do you guys know which scene I'm talking about? Do I need to be more specific?
0: Where she's working Where she's working at the Orange Julius?
3: Yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Uh, it's at the swimming pool. I oh, thought man. you were going
1: to bring up the very first scene where her and Jennifer Jason Lee fail the Bechdahl test. And then they never rectify that for the entire movie. <laughs> every scene they have is about a boy
3: this movie directed by a uh, a lot of people don't know amy Beckdal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that um i wanted to just give props to the director of photography uh, that shot of phoebe cates is one of, i just don't think it gets enough credit of like how perfect that shot is how beautiful Mm -hmm. that shot is and how Mm -hmm. it is seared in literally all of our brains yeah it's and i don't know why when they do like at the academy awards where they like do an ode to cinematography or if there's a documentary about like shadows and darkness or shadows and light why that shot is not Mm -hmm. in it because it is perfection
1: do you think it'll be in her memoriam when she dies at the oscars Yes, it
0: definitely.
1: should be. Yeah, no. it should be. It's
0: not a clip of uh,
1: Princess Caribou. I mean, like when Sharon Stone dies, they should show the leg crossing scene and be like, yeah. "That's crowning your crowning achievement." No, head. they'll show Casino. I mean, yeah. If you if you're being serious, I'm not quite being serious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think for because, uh for me, it's the it's her trying to ten bar as those gremlins are fucking around or
0: nothing else.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> mischievous little demons.
0: Yeah, it's the scene of talking about her dead dad stuck in the chimney from Grandma's. That's what they will show at the Academy Awards.
3: I've given up on the idea that I will make it to the immemorium. So my goal now is to be the other actor in someone else's in-memoriam. So like whenever I work and I'm with an older actor, I'm always like, oh, this would be great if they use this shot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's fascinating about that that scene, and it is so iconic. But where's that backwater coming from?
3: Yeah, it's there's like a hose thing going on in the back. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, mm-hmm. a dream sequence post, so that's part but of it. But he's, he's, he's dreaming of a sprinkler? Yeah,
0: why not? Well, I don't know. Maybe Brad goes on to be a cinematographer, and it's part of his uh, journey. It,
3: it, Mike, do all of your fantasies make all logical sense?
1: Perfect sense. Time, <laughs> okay. place, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oftentimes when i'm masturbating i i'm like that's not period specific she wouldn't have a cell phone
3: yeah so
0: this movie is interesting like i said like i hadn't watched it linearly i don't think ever really and watching it linearly i was like it's not a great movie i don't think it's got
1: a little bit of a caddyshack problems Uh I, i enjoy caddyshack much more than this but there are parts of this that i don't care about and uh, aren't as good as
0: the other stuff. Well, I was going to say, it's like a Mandela effect movie of like, I think this is a really good movie. And then I watch it, I'm like, it's not that great. It's fine, but it's not the Library of Congress movie that it, people have made it out to be.
3: I don't know. I sort of disagree. I, I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with the same thing. And I, having watched it again last night, I was impressed of how they pulled the movie off and didn't do what I sort of normally expect in movies. And so I, I actually was impressed of like, wow, so this movie succeeds just because of the characters and the, and how you relate to like how honest and truthful the movie is, because yeah, it's not great stories. You know, I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure what Spicoli's arc is, but man, you just buy into this world so much. So I, I actually am impressed with the movie that it holds up enough 40 years later. I, again, to go back to sort of like Caddyshack,
1: there are so many iconic scenes. And I actually last night was laughing more than I remembered laughing at the movie before. Like, I think it's got a lot of funny stuff in it, like a lot of great gags. But I think all four of us are familiar with the like screenwriting adage, therefore, but, right? Yeah. Yeah, so every scene should end with a therefore or a but. And what you want to avoid is an and then. And this movie, I think, at times has a little and-then problem. And the one that comes off the top of my head is Forrest Whitaker's the star football player, and he also drives this sweet Camaro that he loves more than anything. And at some point, Sean Penn's character and Forrest Whitaker's younger brother go joyriding in that car without his knowledge, and they crash it. So that's a great setup. And so they decide, instead of getting their ass kicked, they're going to blame the rival high school. And that's exactly what happens. There's, like, no turn. There's no, like, surprise. And we're just kind of watching exactly what they said was going to happen. Which also, like, high school football players having their back broken is not as funny as you think. (laughs) (laughs) But had there been, like, a scene where they're in the huddle and somebody on the defense is like, DeForest Whitaker, like, by the way, I saw Spicoli and your brother driving around. Then we get a reversal and he's like, oh, they... I was being lied to. And then he like could go up in the stands and chase them or something. I don't know. But instead we just are sitting through five minutes of him throwing around football players, which
2: is not great. I, I think part of the reason that it uh, diverts from the screenwriting choice is sort of the murky territory that is how much of this is a true story. Uh, We know that Cameron Crowe was a teen writer. He contributed to Cream, to The San Diego Door, later was the earliest writer for Rolling Stone. And then when Rolling Stone moved to New York, he stayed on the West Coast and decided to have this like crazy book idea where he'd go back to high school. He then proceeded to release this book, which was options before it was even published. And it says it's based on a true story, He changed some of the names, but there's no
0: way that some of this is true. (laughs) I think probably it mostly is true, but it's not true from like four different people. It's like 25 different people's stories that he just cobbled together. And probably stories teens told him about other things that he never saw. He was like, that's a good story. I'll just put that in here.
2: So I took the liberty of researching a couple major differences between the book and the film itself. One of the major differences is Cameron Crowe fucking hates Spicoli in the book. Like in the in the movie, he's this likable character, sort of like this, this hero for the ages. Whenever people leave the theater, they're just like, yeah, Spicoli, I'm gonna get checkerboard slip-ons. But everything he does in the book is just like, this guy is a fucking moron. There was a scene where one of the students lost his father and sister in a car wreck. They were, like, thrown over the side of a bridge by a reckless driver. They find out everyone's somber, and Spicoli just bursts in and says, look at these bitchin' photos of the crash. You could see the people and everything inside.
1: How do you, how do you get photos of the crash?
0: Uh, it was in the newspaper. Uh, uh. My wife, Elizabeth, did not like Spicoli. Why doesn't she like Spicoli? She was just like, he was kind of annoying and... I think it's also one of those things of getting older where you start to identify with the parents and the authority figures more. And she was like, no, the teacher was right. Like, the thing she liked was how petty that teacher was to be like, I'm going to come waste your time now. That's a funny arc. But as far as the character, she just didn't care for him at all.
3: Yeah, but Elizabeth is wrong.
0: It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Elizabeth- yeah.
3: And, 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 which is often the case with Elizabeth. But for example, that opening scene with the teacher where Spicoli shows up a little late, the teacher is being a complete asshole. Like, Spicoli, did, we know, yes. yeah, we know Spicoli, but it's literally the first day of school. He's confused. He's like, what, one minute late? And he's like, I don't know the schedule. I'm I'm, I'm a little lost. And the guy rips it in front of his face. It's crazy. Yeah.
2: Well, I, as, as someone who has spent some time teaching, I can say that you have half of the first period of class to get these kids on your side. <laughs> he, he comes in hard with an iron fist saying that he means business. And he, unfortunately, the kid who has been stoned since second grade <laughs> needed to be the example that he had to make. It's very easy to learn these kids.
3: Okay, so that's the untouchables, which is, Shoot one of the people in the head, so that the rest of the people are like, "Oh man, I got, yeah. I got to listen to this." It's guy. The <laughs> fuck up the biggest
0: guy, and be like, "I'm here."
1: But as the guy of this group who was probably closest to Spicoli at that time, it's a little not getting him enough time. It was like thirty seconds or a minute. Yeah, and and this movie actually has some weird time things. I was trying to think, or or just like JD said, like he was. 45 seconds late, that seems like a a big blow up for over nothing. And then the part that made me really laugh, which is kind of, I think, a mistake, is that Judge Reinhold shows up for work at the Long John Silver and he says hi to everybody, kisses his girlfriend, and then goes right to the grill. Yeah. Like no washing of the hands. No, like he literally walks by employee of the month and is just like, all right, I'm cooking. It's like, yeah. uh, uh, gloves, something, something going on. It's just like, ah, we're going to get this in one shot. We're fine.
2: So you think that his eventual firing uh, was just the last straw. Uh, <laughs> once he got that employee of the month award, he, he really started skating by. Uh, some other details from the book that were dropped for whatever reason, Mr. Hand, who we were just talking about, apparently in the book, he was obsessed with the chief detective from Hawaii Five-0, Steve Garrett. He imitated his mannerisms and speech patterns to the point where the students would ask him every year why he acts like that. And he would say, I don't know what you're talking about. There was also a soccer star named Steve Shasta, He would spend all his time talking to the press and he would just say that he was like really great, really gifted, but also that he was celibate because he needed to save all his power for soccer and meanwhile was getting blowjobs from everyone. Also, a tremendously charismatic paraplegic class ring salesman comes through and sells rings to everybody, but he just keeps saying, I remember the good old high school days before I crippled myself in a car crash. And that's how we got everybody to buy class rings. The last detail, which I found perplexing, rat. He was worried about his penis size, and so he measured it, and he ordered ExerGro Plus, which is a product uh, that turned out to just be a rubber dickhead that you place on the end of your penis to make it appear larger, and then it slipped off and uh, fell down his pants in a safe way. Uh, can we talk about Rat for a sec? Yes. Yeah, please.
3: I am so baffled by Rat's storyline. Mm-hmm. He's in love with Jennifer Jason Lee. and then Jennifer Jason Lee's into him for some reason and they go on this date. He doesn't do anything right. By the way, I totally went on a date when I was 17 and did not bring enough money uh, for the movie theater. I, I think I brought enough for me but didn't buy, didn't have any money for the girl that I went with. But they eventually make it into the bedroom and I don't get why he flips out. Like, I got to go. Yeah.
2: He's very awkward. I think because uh, she's now worldly, uh, she has lost her virginity. She's coming across to him very aggressive because she's the one who is just like, hey, do you want to come in? I'm going to change. I'm putting on a bathrobe so we can sit on my bed. Like, these are very strong signals. I'm, I'm with you, though. I have no yeah. idea why mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee is into this guy at all. Yeah. There's no chemistry. He's awkward in the date. He has nothing to say. He puts on the wrong record. He was explicitly <laughs> told to put on Led Zeppelin IV. That was physical graffiti. And it was mm-hmm. only supposed to be when you're making out.
3: <laughs> and Jennifer Jason Lee, as we know, later becomes a terrible racist. In uh, real life, Uh, when she's in that cabin with all those bounty hunters, she is a horrific racist. So I think I think she's just happy to get anybody because that's usually sort of a no go for most people. If if a beautiful woman is a racist. Right, guys.
1: I don't know. Uh, I've put up with it. Um, I I think what's weird about her is like in the beginning, she doesn't know anything about sex and she needs vegetables like a vegetable display to like to, to know what to do. And in a matter of four and a half weeks uh, is all of a sudden like, I want the cum. Give me the cum. Like she, and then she has like 50-year-old woman vibes. Like Kevin said, she's like getting a robe on, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a lot going
0: from not knowing anything to very, very mature. Is the idea that Phoebe Cates has actually never had sex?
3: Oh, good question. That is a good question. You, I I think she has. I'm questioning whether Judge Reinhold has. But I'm I'm up for a debate of either. I mean, I think Phoebe Cates has with that older boyfriend.
0: But is it real? That's the thing. It's like you never see him, which is also just a side note, something I thought was awesome in the movie, was that you never see one parent. Oh, um, yeah. One mm-hmm. parent shows up. They talk about their parents. You know, there's reference to parents, but the parents are always never home, which I thought was mm-hmm. pretty cool. But like this guy who she talks about, you never see him. She does seem to like be talking to someone but I don't know yeah. if it was like a one-time thing.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that that seems to make more sense. Like, he, he, he wasn't in a deep relationship with her, and she was, because yes. she liked that sort of older, like, oh, I'm dating somebody who has, like, a real job. Like, he's like a pilot or something, right? Yeah. Cable boys. One thing I noticed
1: watching this movie again was a very 80s trope where you're teaching somebody how to do something, that was very 1980s, like Damone is teaching rat how to be smooth,
3: yeah, but he's so on the money, man, <laughs> I-, I was like everyone needs to jot those five things down, yeah he's so on the money.
2: do you guys want to go through them real quick? uh number one, you never let on how much you like a girl.
3: That's very true well again, again, what's the uh, uh, let's be very clear of what the goal is. Is it to fall in love and get married? Then I think a lot of these have asterisks. If mm-hmm. if it's in high school or college to hook up, then a lot of this advice is solid.
2: Yeah, yeah. Number two is uh, you always call the shots. Kiss me, you won't regret it. I
3: mm-hmm. got yeah. I got the advice early, which was make statements instead of questions. Like, I'd like to go on a date with you. Uh, I'd like to see you again, as opposed to, you know, would you like to see me again? Like the, the concept of making statements instead of questions feels to me like gold. Yeah. You're going to pay for the abortion. (laughs) If I can get the money together, $75. Whoa.
2: (laughs) I, I really, I swear I had the 75, but you have to understand earth, wind and fire (laughs) has a huge (laughs) draw in this town. (laughs) I am.
0: We're three weeks out. Can you wait three weeks? Shaka Khan's coming through. I'm
2: I Yeah, can make we're it California,
1: then. not Texas. You can wait.
2: Number three is act like wherever you are, that's the place to be. Great. Great advice. Oh, man. I, I just thought it was funny when he's like in the little pool room. He's like, hey, this is nice. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just a changing room. I, I understand you, you've got a whole routine, but it's pretty messy if you ask me. Uh, order food for them. It's a classy move. Mm-hmm. like find out what they're order i i personally think that one's dumb it
3: is i think it's dumb i i don't think that that's a make or break but i think the idea of hey these are your these are your wants i am going to be your advocate i do think that you think that's too much of an 80s thinking
0: i think you don't even ask them what they want to eat you just order for yeah, exactly of them. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, i'm gonna bad. get the steak and she's gonna get the fucking i don't know Lobster? You look like a lobster chick. The lobster? What yeah. are you, stupid? The BLT. You,
3: this isn't cemented yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: And she, I'm going to get the steak. And she, uh, she yeah. looks like she snackable. already ate some water.
3: Here, take take the snackable that I brought with me. Yeah.
0: You're going to enjoy watching me eat the steak.
1: Yeah, you're not, you're not paying top price until you cement the deal. Next date is like the lobster Thermidor <laughs> or whatever.
2: And the last one, of course, was put on side one of Led Zeppelin 4. They tried to get side one, but unfortunately it was too pricey. But Cameron Crowe called in a favor with Led Zeppelin, and they still let him use physical graffiti, which is funnier, I think, that Rat gets it wrong. Did you guys see that the original script uh, was entitled High School, A Stairway to Heaven? Isn't that weird? And bad. And also would have made a lot more sense uh, if he gets shot at the end by just a (laughs) random convenience store robber
0: the thing i do like about this movie though with uh damone's advice and like baby kate's advice is like nobody knows jack shit in high school like everyone just talks with such authority of like this is what you got to do and nobody knows anything i think that
1: can i think that continues on to the age we're at yes it's true
3: not not on this podcast we actually know what we're talking about
1: um i did
3: want to say true. that uh when i first started acting but my first manager his number one client was judge reinhold all judge Uh reinhold did was call and scream at his managers (laughs) 24 7 he's on the jim belushi list which i think some of you guys know is my list of people who i literally have never heard a positive thing about (laughs) in la You, you like if if one person says one positive thing you get off the list But if I only hear negative, if you're, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, if you're Chevy Chase, well, one is Judge Reinhold. I've never heard a positive thing about. Another one is Molly Ringwald. Oh, wow. I've never heard a good thing about Molly Ringwald.
2: Well, listeners, this is your chance. Get old Judgy off the list. Write in. Tell us yeah. one good thing. It doesn't even have to be that magnanimous. It could just be... <laughs> yeah. Does neutral... Does a neutral story count?
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, like he came into Starbucks. He ordered. I said, Judge. I gave him the drink. He walked out. Yeah, I'll take it.
2: Uh, it's It's crazy that all of this started because Judge Reinhold, purportedly, from what I've read was just Amy Heckerling's upstairs neighbor. Wow. He, he dated one of her friends uh, living upstairs. And then, yeah, uh, he, he won the audition in the room without the producers knowing that that's how he got the audition. But Weird, and
1: Amy Heckerling didn't hear him yelling 24-7. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, uh, this was the one audition that he was actually able to book. So yeah. <laughs> he didn't have anything to yell about that.
0: Day. It was funny watching this with Elizabeth. She was like, who's Judge Reinhold? Like, what else did he do? And I was like, Judge Reinhold from... From that was just, was like oh from Fast Times like from Beverly Hills Cop baby from what Beverly Hills Cop well oh, yeah for what she would know was like he's the stepdad in the Santa Claus movies
3: oh, <laughs> like. you're right you're right also
1: one of the best guest stars on Seinfeld the close stalker yeah yeah by the way Beverly Hills Cop two better than one
3: yeah, that's a false statement that's stupid.
1: No, it's not. It's I just, a stupid I just watched thing. Them both back to back. It's a stupid thing for Tony you to Scott. say. Tony Scott's the director of the second one. You're, it's much you're Elizabeth wrong. <laughs> no, no, second's better.
3: Well,
2: the director of the first one is Martin Brest, who actually dated Amy Heckerling at AFI, and so again, Amy Heckerling is to blame for his meteoric <laughs> rise to fame. Wow. Can we go to?
1: Can we go to scenes that make you go hmm? All right, so my, my scene that made me go, hmm, what is the, the deal with the scalping the tickets? I don't quite get it.
0: Like the business plan?
1: <laughs> yes, because that guy, oh, I can't remember. He's scalping tickets for the kids, right? Yes. And he's only making a little bit of money off of it. So one, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But why can't they just go buy tickets? Because the idea of scalping is to scalp for sold-out shows the day of. But he's taking requests for shows that haven't even gone on sale yet. I mean, Forrest Whitaker is like, can I get Earth, Wind, and Fire? And he's like, oh, it's next month. It hasn't even released yet. Why can't Force Whitaker go buy Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets?
2: I think the, the kids uh, that he is scalping to basically say, like, uh, all the other scalpers are already sold out. So in this small community, there is a ravenous uh, <laughs> band of scalpers who snap up every ticket. And he snaps up so much that he doesn't have money to
0: cover his later doings. Well, I also don't know the 1982 ticket sale system. because so I remember in the like, later 80s, it was like you go to Ticketmaster, you know, like Sam Goody and stuff, you could buy tickets there. So I don't know if it was just super hard to get physical tickets like oh you have to go to the freaking you know coliseum to actually buy the tickets at the box office
1: okay but but force whitaker has a car i'm just like it just doesn't really it doesn't up. make
0: sense yeah it doesn't it's like they wanted to give him something to do
3: the bigger thing is that what kevin touched on which is he is portrayed as a mover and a shaker like this is a guy mm-hmm, who yes. has a lot of cash flow going through and then all of a sudden does not have 75 for the abortion Yes. <laughs> and we see we see that scene. It's not like he's lying. He's like literally trying to call in debts and isn't able to compile $75. Seems seems a little odd.
1: Yeah, I mean, when your bookie calls and is like, "Hey, I need that money." You say you saying like, "Ah, you know what? It's not a good week. Could you try me na- like on Friday or something?" That's not an option. Like the, the whole part of the bookie is like, "I'm going to have my money now."
2: Yeah, Damone's like, give me the money or I will strangle you with my keyboard scarf. Uh, my scene that made me go home Seems to make you go. is actually what J.D. was talking about a second ago, specifically a 26-year-old taking what he assumes is a 19-year-old despite every... <laughs> Every bit of information that he has, he questions it at every point. He takes her to the point, which immediately sounds like a, like a scenic lookout, like a place where you like drive up a hill and you park overlooking the city. I, there, There's no sign that says it's like Point Ridgemont uh, baseball field. It's just the point, but it's just a dirty dugout where I think he does it just so he can do that line of, can I get to first base?
3: You might be right. Because from my experience, I would rather make out in the car than in a dugout. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense of like, let's leave the comfort of this 1978 car, which we all know was the size of, of an RV back then. And go to this open dugout where apparently there's going to be other couples because it is the point, you know. Yeah,
2: Brad asks Lisa to go to the point, like. inventing it as a place where high schoolers go. And so, again, my question is, why is a 26-year-old taking a 19-year-old to where high school kids make out, where people have written Disco Sucks on the Walls, where someone else has written Surf Nazis? We also, like, haven't seen any other surfers besides Spicoli and his gang. Are they Nazis?
1: Well, he does drop that F-bomb later on. so. He really does,
2: but it's like it's so it's so kind-hearted when he does it. I've never <laughs> I've never never heard someone say a slur with such a gentle surprise,
3: like <laughs> the way his
2: voice just goes up. It's adorable. It came naturally as to like
1: well, there's nothing else I can call them. They are this, <laughs> and I I just personally felt good when I I'd forgotten about that scene, but I was like, oh yeah, that's my. Thesis for this whole podcast in a nutshell of like, we're so lucky that all of our favorite movies aren't littered with that more often. Seriously. It's it's not Marty McFly saying, let's see if these blanks can do 80s. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Indiana Jones doesn't call people the (laughs) R-word.
3: Instead of snakes. He's just like, he's just like N-word. I hate (laughs) N-word.
1: What are you talking about?
0: Uh, I didn't raise you like
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My scene that made me go. Hmm.
1: Seems to make you go mm.
0: The end of the movie. The movie just ends. Like this movie is so weird. Like it just. it was like, okay, that's it. We're done. Like we're not gonna really <laughs> resolve anything. Bye. And it just ends with Damone never redeeming himself. It's just he's just mm-hmm. a shithead. Nobody likes him. He has no friends. That's it. Like. That's the end of the movie for him.
2: Yeah, I think the the end, the end in general was a little perplexing. I, obviously, like many films have done, the the Chiron at the end wrapping up everyone's storyline in a tidy package when it's an ensemble cast. But yeah, the last scene, the brother is now working at a convenience store. Spicoli comes in. He's like, "Hey, you used to work at All American Burger. Can I use the bathroom?" And then to me, it felt like the inspiration for the original ending of Clerks. Yeah, Where where he works all day, he's not supposed to be here and uh, a break-in happens and he gets shot dead and our protagonist is the ultimate tragedy. That's what it felt like was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And instead, he just like throws scalding hot coffee in the guy's face. And Spicoli's just like, awesome Which you'd think if he was stoned That would be a little bit upsetting to him Rather than just like, oh, fucking Hey, tubular There's a guy screaming and writhing on the ground
3: I th- I was expecting uh, Boogie Nights Don Cheadle To walk in with a bag of donuts Yeah That's the vibe that I got was Oh, mm-hmm. this is this is almost identical to that shootout Towards the end of Boogie Nights Boogie Nights <laughs>
2: Can we get to the beat-off? Yep, we might as well. I'm going to come.
1: All right, it's time to lock the door and dim the lights, because it's the beat-off. I wrote down four scenes, and I want to see which one of you dirty little birdies would have played with your pecker, too. One, there's the aforementioned sucking carrots. Phoebe Cates teaching uh, Jennifer Jason Lee how to suck dick.
2: For those vegetarians among us, that might be
1: the most palatable scene. There's Jennifer Jason Lee on the bench
2: at the point. <laughs> if you like cold, hard back support, that might be the one mm-hmm. you want.
1: Well, it could also be for baseball fans. You know, just diehards. Don't <laughs> let the sport go. Uh, of course, obviously, the red bikini, slow motion with the inexplicable water in the background. And finally, somebody's baby posed like a magazine on the bed or whatever. Since I brought it up, I will, I will have to go with the vegetables. Wow. I well, like hearing women discuss things like that.
2: Uh, you love when they fail the Bechdel test.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do.
2: <laughs>
1: and, and again, having, having been a, 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 a fan of paradise, as we talked about last week, I was well aware of what Phoebe Cates looked like naked. I'd seen her glistening in the water, so I'm gonna go with the vegetables.
3: By the way, apparently, there's a thing, there was a thing at video stores in the 1980s where the Fast Times at Ridgemont High videotapes would break right at BB Kate's spot because people had paused that scene mm-hmm. so much. That it started to sort of tear because, you know, back then the VHS uh, tapes would sort of just like uh, it would like get tight where you were freezing. Yeah, tension. Yeah, there was tension. Mm-hmm. And so over time, everybody was freeze framing that scene. And so the tapes would break at that exact spot. Yeah, it's like my my senior week nightmare.
0: <laughs> uh, I would choose the, the iconic scene. But school it's just like the most perfect masturbation scene ever of like it's too good. It's like masturbating to the Mona Lisa. It is, it is. Which I've done. But like my problem with the with the Jennifer Jason Lee stuff is my same problem with the Phoebe Kate stuff in Paradise, which is like she's supposed to be young and she looks really young. Especially now as an adult man, I'm like, this is weird. Like, I feel uncomfortable watching this. Well, I mean,
1: that was that was a person in that Greedo costume. It's not like they, that was a real person that Han shot. You know, you just got to suspend disbelief.
0: No, but it's also just a little bit of like the thought crime of it all. So it was like, is thinking about something <laughs> as bad as actually doing something?
3: Are these essentially, are you talking about shameful boners?
0: Yeah.
1: So here's the thing. I wrote down at some point in my notes. Oh, cool! We're watching a 15 year old get naked because that's the char- how old the character is in the movie. Yes. And what I'm saying is, I totally understand. Like, well, that's a weird thought to have, right? But the person in real life is not 15, right? And but we're never we're also never going to see this again. There's not going to be high school movies where girls betraying underage get naked. So, what world do we want to live in, where things are? Do we get Fast Times Ridgemont High, where we're like, well, it's a little uncomfortable? Or we just never get that again.
3: I just imagined when Post was making that point that we, the other three of us, were at the bus stop and and Post was driving the bus and we just waved the bus by. We were like, (laughs) "Yeah, I'm not. I'll I'll wait for the next. I'll I'll wait for the next bus." But I I appreciate it. Um, I wanted Mm -hmm. to. uh, I was curious about the Phoebe Kate scene, which is I wonder if. There have been multiple times where people have been caught masturbating to the Phoebe Cates scene in real life. Oh
0: wow. Wow. Mm-hmm,
3: Judge Reinhold is also getting caught.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
3: And are there people who are not masturbating to Phoebe Cates but are masturbating to Judge Reinhold masturbating?
2: Yeah. Or or people masturbating to the idea of Judge Reinhold screaming at them because they're not right for the audition. He's never going to book it. Why is he wasting his time? I, I forgot how uh, how uh, just brushed aside it is that there's no
1: follow up to Judge Reinhold trying to like, no, I wasn't doing what you think I was doing. Like, it was just like, no, that's over.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just a vignette. Just all these scenes mm-hmm. just end.
2: I read that Judge Reinhold brought a large fake dildo to, uh, to the shoot day. And so when he was mime honking, it was an actual dildo. And so when Phoebe Cates busted in, uh, she was surprised. It's an actual look of shock. And you could definitely chalk that up on things that like cannot happen on movie sets ever again. I know, people used to have more fun. No, that was not my point. My point was not that people used to have more fun.
3: Yeah, a post will always agree with you and then make it seem like you are being terrible. You're like, no, that's <laughs> no, that's not my point. But, but on the Judge Reinhold story there, so what is that? So the next day he's shooting that scene, so he's going to an, adult bookstore and picking out a dildo and then bringing it to like that's a lot of prep for this sort of mediocre very offensive bit that he's doing like I think I can imagine like thinking it or like oh wouldn't have been funny if I but like he went shopping did he did he have multiple choices of dildos and then was like oh this is probably the the most accurate.
0: He's like the opposite of Sean Penn with like method. Also, Phoebe Cates, when she catches him, her face is so perfect of just the way she pulls like that.
3: And she's she's in there longer than you than you would think. She's there for like yeah. three yeah. seconds as opposed to like going in the bathroom and being like, there's another human being in here. She's like, Oh, another human being. I wonder what they're doing. I can't. Oh,
2: you have to remember that uh, there was water in her ear. So her equilibrium was off. And so she was her. Her first idea was like, I have to find a Q-tip. And then uh, she found a big one.
3: My question is, is what emergency would she have had that she would have been like, yes, uncomfortable that you're jerking off. But I really do need to get this. Uh, you know, I, I have something in my eye. This is, this is taking priority.
0: I think the funnier scene would be her being like, oh my God, I'm about to have explosive diarrhea, walks in on him. He's masturbating. She's like, oh my God, still pushes him off the the seat. She sits down, explodes her ass. And he's just standing there holding his dick.
3: Well, here comes another bus. We're going to just let it go by. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, do you have a pick for the,
1: the beat-off?
2: Uh, you know, as a cinephile and prude, uh, and prude, noted prude. I don't think I watched this movie until much later. And I am a huge fan of Jennifer Jason Lee, in particular, her bossy reporter character in Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Sort of a his girl Friday send up. Uh, she's incredible. And so I've been a fan of hers. And I think that for that reason, I'm going to have to pick the pool room scene. Uh, also, just because, like, that guy came really fast, and I'm like, I could have done better than that. <laughs> That's
3: nice. All right.
2: You know, I love her work. I respect her. And also, uh, I, I get to give myself a,
0: a make believe pat on the back. So you're a cinephile and also another kind of file.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Uh, check the ID. She's 19. And, J.D., you
1: mentioned the red bikini earlier. Is that your pick?
3: No, I think it would be the same that Kevin was into the... And, and preferably if Kevin is also in the room with me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can, can we add also a, a fifth option, which is Spicoli's room, uh, which is just yeah. covered mm. in pinups, mm-hmm. uh, one of whom is Dorothy Stratton, who was... after After the fact. Yeah, after she was murder-suicided... Uh, by her estranged husband, they they went ahead and just like out of the out of the pinups, they were like, yeah, just throw it up there. It doesn't matter. Well, I guess like,
3: then wow. now we have a sixth option, which is that murder suicide.
1: Yeah, yeah. His whole his whole it was weird. His whole room is it's Dorothy Stratton, Sharon Tate, Jane Mansfield. It's Ritz. <laughs> they don't really touch on it in the movie, but it's uh...
3: Robert Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Also, uh, Mr. Vargas, uh, when he goes to the school, he introduces his wife, who is Lana Clarkson, who was later murdered <laughs> by Phil Spector.
1: Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe you should know you should look at that. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at the court stuff? It's up in the air. I mean, he was found guilty, so that's that part's not up in the air. But it seems a little fishy. Is the
0: is the cable boy's legal department going rogue? (laughs) Yeah, this was liable corner with Mike Posolakis once again.
3: (laughs) Mike, is this another false flag operation?
0: I, uh, I really
2: enjoyed reading the Wikipedia uh, page for this movie because it, it talked about like I, we, we haven't even touched on how many great actors that went on to do incredible things were just like bit parts in this movie. But in the Wikipedia, it says other minor appearances include Anthony Edwards, future star on the hit series ER, Crow's future wife. Nancy Wilson of the band heart Lana Clarkson future murder victim of <laughs> you can't like those in the same breath
3: yeah I was up for that I auditioned to be the future <laughs> murder victim but I didn't I didn't get it I didn't get it
1: and Nick Cage, uh, Nick Cage. also dropping a homophobic moment uh-huh. uh, should we uh, head to reviews
2: all right let's go to reviews. Roger Ebert gave this one star. Wow. He fucking hated it. Roger Ebert writes, how could they do this to Jennifer Jason Lee? How could they put such a fresh and cheerful person into such a scuzz pit of a movie? (laughs) Don't they know they have a star on their hands? I didn't even know who Lee was when I walked into Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and yet I was completely won over by her. She contained so much life and light that she was a joy to behold. And then she and everyone else in the so-called comedy is invited to plunge into offensive vulgarity. The whole movie is a failure of taste, tone, and nerve the waste of a good cast on erratic, offensive material that hasn't been thought through or maybe even thought about. Wow. That was what one of the greatest film critics in history wrote about a film that was selected for preservation by the National Film Registry and the Library of Congress for being historically and aesthetically significant.
1: Yeah, but I bet that Swinger Siskel liked it a lot more.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, that guy could chill. <laughs> and now we go to our heralded segment. Everyone's a critic, but that doesn't make them smart. Everyone's a critic where we read a Amazon review by someone who hated the movie and then we see what else they review. Customer gave this film one star customer wrote so much sex, just sex, sex, and more sex. High school definitely wasn't much like this. It borders amateur porn.
3: Couldn't that have been a positive review as well? Like I feel like you could quote that exactly and give it five stars. Yeah.
2: Customer also gave five stars to Urban K, Men's Skinny Fit Jeans. Customer wrote, good fit, awesome look. Just wish they didn't say victorious on the back. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh, uh, also, uh, I don't know if we include this, but we have our first ever uh, repeat customer.
0: Oh, nice. Oh.
2: Double Happiness wrote, one star slutty teen girls. Let me just tell you about one scene in this movie. 15-year-old Stacy is working at a waitress in a pizzeria in the mall. She takes a guy's order. He tells her that he's 26. She lies that she's 19. He asks for her phone number and she giggles and gives it to him. They set up date, which means she sneaks out of the house late at night and he picks her up from a corner with his car. He asks where she wants to go and if the point would be okay and she giggles that it is okay. So they drive to an open area outside and have to After less than a minute of conversation, he kisses her. She lets him lay her down. He immediately undresses her. He immediately takes her virginity. Of course they don't use any protection. Then he just takes her home. Easy. Cheap date in more ways than one. The guy could have done anything he wanted to her, including kill her.
1: I think I also remember Double Happiness' manifesto about Demolition Man. (laughs) Likes to write. Likes to punctuation means nothing to Air. this person.
2: Uh but double happiness also gave 5 stars to Feels Like Fingernails Buffalo Horn Back Scratcher. It's about time. I have owned many back scratchers. This is absolutely the best. It's the perfect length. The teeth are sharp enough to get the itch gone just once. Instead of having to scratch over and over like my previous ones, this is all I needed. It gets the job done without
0: the frustration.
1: <laughs> Pandemic notwithstanding, how long has it been since this person left their house? <laughs> years, three years, four years.
0: They don't even know a pandemic's happening. <laughs> all right, boys, should we head on down to Pop Corner?
2: Pop Corner is, of course, where we review the movie in terms of popcorn.
0: Uh, I'll give this movie three popcorns, which also means that this movie is kind of like your friend told you the perfect way to make popcorn. And they're like, okay, these are the five things you got to do. Number one, you got to get the popcorn. Number two, you got to take the plastic off. Number three, you got to put it in the microwave. Number four, take it back out of the microwave because you didn't read the instructions. Number five, put it back in the microwave do what the instructions said. Number six. And you're like, you only already gave me five. You said it was going to be five. And now it keeps going. Do any of these things make sense? And you're like, I don't know. That's fine. And you eat it. And it's, that's pretty good. Uh, I give this
2: uh, two bags of popcorn that I'm eating in a theater. And I'm like, Hey, this is a really good time. Like, Uh, There's like fast cars and like explosions and like everybody in it is so cool. And then like uh, I I'm getting really comfortable. So I take my shoes off and then I realize there's just like sticky shit all over the floor. And I don't know what it's from. I just know that it doesn't feel good on my naked feet because I wasn't wearing socks.
1: I'm going to give this two movie theater popcorns. Uh, I'm on a date. One bag is mine, and the other bag is my dates, which I ordered for her. Uh, (laughs) Even though she really wanted junior mints, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to have popcorn. Maybe on the second date. We'll see how this goes. Um, And it's uh, rather delicious.
0: Okay.
3: I'm going to give it one bag of zebra popcorn Opulus, you You are in dangerous territory sir careful
2: my friend uh i i this tells me that you are not well versed in the storied history of the popcorn (laughs) review there is there is none above
0: the popcorn the zebra that's that's pinnacle
3: well let me tell you how i meant it which which is probably incorrect i meant it that i i enjoyed it but there was a lot of the time that I felt shame.
2: Ooh.
1: I also like we managed to use JD's uh, teaching of improv of fuck that. that said <laughs> and we we're like, no, no, fuck that. It's
3: useful. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's useful. Like, just, <laughs> it don't, just, think, just think about all the improv you guys did for the last 20 years. And if it was acceptable to just say, fuck that.
2: Fuck that. Well, what I'm not going to say, fuck that too is the opportunity to speak with a gentleman who is as funny and smart as you, J.D. It has been a true pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. I must ask, do you have anything you would like to plug or to direct our loyal listeners towards? No. Are you sad about that? Do you want to
0: have something to plug?
3: I'm going to my son's soccer game on Saturday. <laughs> I want. Well, I hope he wins. Thank you. Uh, so, if you want to support uh, the Raptors uh, of Westlake Village, come to the game uh, uh, at noon at Agora Hills High School.
0: Again, this is a pre-taped Colin show.
3: So,
2: well, we have. Been the Cable Boys. Thank you for listening. Follow us at Cable Boys Pod on Instagram. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and wherever else you find podcasts. My name is at Man Warman on Instagram.
1: I'm at Mike Postolakis.
3: I'm at The War Club. And I'm JD Walsh on Facebook.
0: Tell your aunts to uh, friend him on Facebook.
3: <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, uh. So
2: uh, while you're there, go ahead and like and subscribe and rate us five stars. Cause quite frankly, that was a five star episode.
1: And quit rubbing your trombone and go give us five stars before we before we walk in on you.
2: Get your hand off your honker and put it on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
3: Fuck that. We're not doing that. Fuck that.